0: Hello and welcome. I have Sunday Sunday Snyder been sitting here with me. It is so lovely to have you here joining the Thriving Abroad Together support series. And um, so, Sunday, tell us a little bit about where you're sitting right now. Um, we're all ch- challenged with the same one sort of challenge at the moment. So, perhaps just give us a little bit of background to where you are and how it's playing out for you at the moment.
1: Well, I'm sitting in Bern, Switzerland right now, but one week ago I was actually in my home in South Africa. <laughs> so, a week ago we were um, self isolating because we'd been on an international flight, and all of a sudden we were thinking about why what will this look like uh, in terms of the coronavirus outbreak um, in the South African context? So we, I work you know, 100% location independent. My kids were on line school anyway, and we thought, well, we might as well... Um, Wait this bumpy part out and have a look while we're online anyway uh, from Switzerland rather than South Africa. So within a day or two, we decide, you know, talk to the right people, book the right flights, and we're able to come to Switzerland before they started the lockdown, which is actually happening tonight. So. uh... Yes, exactly. But I'm, I'm really grateful. Uh, it's interesting because you and I did a podcast together um, several years ago when I had left Burkina Faso after one of the three crises. I can't remember which one it was then. Um, but I'm really grateful because based on my experience in West Africa and some of the situations we've been in, this decision was actually quite easy. Everything was calm. I didn't feel any anxiety or stress about the decision um, to hunker down in another location. Um, so I'm actually really grateful for that.
0: Yeah, it's funny, because I was, I was just before we spoke, I was reading back to the transcript of the, <laughs> the conversation we had last time. And actually, I will put a link to um, that conversation in the show notes. So anyone who wants to go back and listen to that conversation do, because it was a really very in-depth and useful conversation for anyone living internationally. But I was—I actually wrote down, having looked at those names, all oh, strategies, strategies for coping in these kind of situations, which we will come on and talk about in a in a minute. But I guess that's one that you're demonstrating there that you kind of have thought it through before and so you know. But I just want to say to people who are listening: I know there are people in some quite challenging situations where families have been split, you know, one part of the family is living in one country and, another, and they can't, they can't get back together again at the moment. And so I just want to, to say that I, you know, I, I recognize and understand that and send you my love and hugs for, for, for that mm-hmm. situation. It must be really tough for you. Um. So let's start with the conversation by just talking a bit about, you know, the fact that we are now In England, we were talking about social distancing. We've now decided we prefer the name physical distancing because actually that's what we're doing. We're just shutting ourselves away um, and we're home working. Um, But for many of us, that means that we are able still to connect through social media and and online platforms. And that's becoming the new norm for social connection. I'm just listening to my daughter upstairs who is homeschooling and her school is, is doing school in real time, so the teachers are somewhere. Um, setting work and they are all required to do some work and send it in at the end of now she's 14 and She's working with a group of friends and it's just so lovely to hear and I was just saying to my husband She will be developing some amazing skills around this time in terms of how to manage relationships online Um, but so for some people though, this is a totally new way of connecting Um, and I just love to know your thoughts on how you know we can ensure we're keeping connections meaningful um, in a way that is actually supportive to us all because we can all do the social media thing, the Facebook thing, but you know, is it always meaningful and is it always healthy? <laughs> I Absolutely. That hard day this week.
1: <laughs> so i just love to hear your thoughts on that. I love that you pick up on the idea of being meaningful. So I think there's a couple of things. One, I would be really selective about who you spend your time with online, whether that's through feeds or um, FaceTime calls. In a time of crisis like this, I would be, and our time is limited. Maybe you're working full time from home and homeschooling and (laughs) trying to be, you know, cleaning. You're just, you've got a lot going on. So be selective with your time. Think about who are the people that feel nourishing in your life? Who are the people that make you laugh? Um, Who are the people that give you more energy? and spend time with them. Um, if you still have people in your life that you wanna be connected with, but they're, they might be in a place of anxiety or bringing you down, you can choose to engage differently with them, you know, by sending loving texts um, or little videos of messages, I know that you're thinking of them, but you're, you're more protective with your boundaries around your time. I think when we're thinking about meaningful, I would um, first look at the technology that you're looking at, if you have met someone face-to-face on, on a routine basis, then swap the face-to-face with a technology, then meet over FaceTime or some interface. So don't let that go away from your routine because obviously they were important in your life and continue that. You also might wanna think about what I call the, there's like a technology swirl of connection. It's a spiral that goes up. If you have been connecting with people just over text, Think about bringing that up one level, then send them an audio message instead. If you're doing audio message, maybe thinking about sending them a video. So the richness of the technology, as it goes up, it helps create a higher level of connection. So really Mm -hmm. simple things like that um, can help. But I'm gonna suggest something a little bit different that's away from technology. When, let's say you are on FaceTime or you are, you know, WhatsApping someone, I would encourage people to use this unique situation to do things differently. So we, from a communication perspective, we, we work on scripts. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Right. Or if you're in a Francophone place, it's like, how are you? I'm fine. The family and the children and the crops, right? There's these scripts that we work on with people and I want us to use this unique, I call it a global transition, right? Of this crisis to do things differently. So when you're talking to someone, give yourself permission to break from scripts Mm -hmm. and, um, really give space to go deeper. And that might be things like you could say, gosh, you know what I've been thinking? And then you share what's been on your mind that day. Or you say, you know what I wish you know, I know that what's hardest for me that you, you do, you talk differently with your people and what that's doing is creating connection. It's creating vulnerability. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that idea.
1: So you can ask questions like, Hey, what does all this bring up for you? You know, or what are some of the craziest thoughts that you've had during this process? Um, and then that's a way to, um, to have meaningful conversations. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I think another thing that you can that you can do is, I mean, one of the things I love is to be playful, and mm-hmm. you can use your connection time not to go deep, but actually to go up. Right. So mm-hmm. escape with people. Send each other silly gifts over, you know, the messenger. Have a virtual happy hour. Watch a funny <laughs> Netflix series together. I don't care. Even do a dance party, you know, with with your nieces and nephews virtually. Something that helps lift you up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's also a sign of vulnerability, right? Humor and connecting on that level. Yeah. I think those are some things that you can you can do to have more meaning yeah. with the people yeah. you love. Yeah. I love that. I
0: love that. I also think you want to be just a little bit careful. I don't know what you think about this, but. A bit, a bit careful that you don't get dragged into talking about the negativity and the downsides and, and scaring each other because I think that's very easy to do you know I've yeah. had a few conversations like that recently with people and say oh did you see such and such report and did you see this and then mm-hmm. we bring this downward spiral the opposite of the one that you were talking about and, upward spiral. and, and that perhaps isn't I mean sometimes we need to offload yes but I think then we need to be careful there's a purpose about it what what do you think about that
1: Absolutely. I just had a conversation last night with a close friend who has a public health background. So Mm -hmm. she's reading all the literature. She's super informed and she's alarmed because she's having access to information that other people aren't. And -hmm. we had this conversation about what do you do with that? What do you do with that information? And at the end of the conversation, it's like, where do you have control? Mm -hmm. Um, This that she's, she's taken the information and she understands it. She's reached out to public officials. She's reached out to her community, um, spread this information that's important for people to have. She's protected her family. And then what? Yeah. Right. And uh, my comment back was, and then you make spaghetti. (laughs) Like you just make spaghetti for your family and you, you do what you got to do. Right. We, we cannot, I cannot control the coronavirus. I cannot control the governments. I have a voice and I can control what goes into my body and in terms of media. Mm-hmm. I can control how I respond to mm-hmm. the information and I can, I can control to some extent how I engage with my families. There are some people who have amazing privilege and feel super safe. There's other people who are on really, really precarious situations. Mm -hmm. Um, so honestly, um, you have to think about where do you have control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then control that, take charge. And then where you don't, we have to let go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. I was likening a bit, a bit to, I remember being on a flight. I used to live in Madeira, which is a tiny island, and the flight, the landing there can be a little bit precarious <laughs> at times. And we often have fly paths, You go to land and then you don't. And I'd never experienced that. And I was, my, this was when my children were very little. I think I had my youngest on my lap, so that little. And we came round, and we was bank round over a friend, friend child, and then the plane comes down. And we came round, and I said to my husband, "We're far too high." He's like, "Nah, we're fine. We're fine." And came down, honestly, I have never experienced such a bumpy descent. And I remember sitting there with this baby on my lap and my other daughter next to me, just thinking, I have zero control over this. I have never felt so um, unable to, to, you know, mm-hmm. to and, and because you've wanted to care for your family so much, was, you, know, you just. And, and we came down and nobody had ever told me that you can actually take take off again as you land. And so we came down and it's exactly what the plane did. It went back up again and everything was fine. And we came around again and landed perfectly the next time. They had a tremendous crosswind so it can be just challenging. But that's how I have felt a bit around this whole coronavirus thing. And I think you are so right in saying that we do need to look for personal ways to control our own situation in our own environment and the work that we do and so on. Um,
1: And I'm not, you know, I, for example, I didn't even know really what anxiety was until I was in Burkina Faso. And there was one of the crisis situations that were going on and my skin felt tight on my arms. I just noticed almost like a pinching. And I'm like, Oh, that's anxiety. Right. And I have, you know, people I love who, Who manage anxiety every day of their life. So I have no practice in navigating anxiety, right? So it could be people who are not skilled. One, what is anxiety? What does it look like? How do I work with it? Um, People who are feeling anxiety for the very first time, I think I would say what you can control is learning about anxiety. Mm -hmm. What are some of the coping strategies? How do you protect yourself? How do you? how do you go from high anxiety and bring it down and, you know, and then also protect your immune system, you know, joy will boost your immune system. What can you do? That's where you have control. How do you see this situation? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: those are some places that we do have a lot of control over in terms of how we experience it. Yeah. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely agree. And um, yeah, I've just taken my vitamin C this morning. <laughs> and, um, and and actually, there's a conversation coming up with Elizabeth Gill- Gillies, who will be talking exactly on the subject of anxiety. With so, um, look out for that one in the coming weeks. Um, so we've been talking about technology, and well, and how we c- can create and contain and, and continue those social um, connections um, in a meaningful way. So I'm just really interested to hear from a practical perspective, you know, what technology are you using at the moment to facilitate all of this? Um, Do you have any suggestions about how we can, what we might use and how?
1: Well, I'm really enjoying this because I've had a location independent business for almost seven years and I'm watching my second grader, my sixth grader, and now my husband engage in ways that for me are completely normal.
0: (laughs) And so, to Zoom this week, yeah, so, they're yes. doing exactly
1: so. You know, I watched my second grader have a goodbye to some their classmate over Zoom. Um, so I was just talking about how Zoom is going to get such incredible brand recognition now after yeah. this. Um, but for me, I just want to say for people who are using Zoom or any FaceTime technology for the first time, um for you in these first days, it might feel awkward. I know back in 2004, my husband and I had a period of um, sort of a bi-continent relationship because I was getting my master's degree and he was finishing his bachelor's degree. And we had to Skype um, long distance, you know, for a few months while we were separate. And the first time I saw his face over Skype, I cried (laughs) <laughs> because I was like, you're here, but you're not here. Right. Yeah. And um, there's an adaptation to the technology. It either feels, you feel close or you feel far or you feel, or you just like, you know, those um, how little kids just make pig faces in the camera when they're first yes. on Skype because yeah. they're so preoccupied with themselves. Right. Um, all of that passes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what I, um, I just want to tell people who are getting new to technologies that are face time um that that will pass and then you will just be present with people mm-hmm. and because i coach over um technology like this it, you can really feel someone's presence and energy and compassion you can have very tight connections over these sort of media you just need to get used to it yes mm-hmm. um and then it's fine so that i would say um I would definitely use face-to-face technology, whether it's Zoom or, I don't know, FaceTime or Skype, however, whatever you can do in your country. Uh, and I would encourage people to do the mundane. I, I've done, expats do this all the time anyway, right? Like I've had lunch with a girlfriend where we would both be eating and we'd just be chatting and it would just be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be a, an hour, like a meeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. quick coffee. I would encourage people to do the mundane together. Um, mm-hmm. If you can still run in your area, if that's still authorized or makes sense, um, I've gone running with my friends before. They've been hiking in the mountains, and I've been running in my area. You like, can even yeah. you can exercise together. Can exercise together. Yeah. yes, yeah. Right. Actually, my daughter was talking about exactly doing that. She's got to mm-hmm.
0: tomorrow. She has a half day. Normally, it would be sports. So I said, what are you do? said oh, "We're going to do chill. We're going to go. We're going to do house
1: party and an exercise thing online." Like, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. And it just, it, I think what it does, it requires people to, to break over that inertia, mm-hmm. right? So once you've done it once, you're like, well, that wasn't such a big deal. Yeah. Um, technically, mm-hmm. what I would encourage people to do is have headphones, if they, if they can order them, if they don't have them, um, make sure that you have a decent quality mic so people can hear you because you don't want to be, um, especially if you have four people in the house or five people in the house, you don't want to be saying, I can't hear and quiet and all yeah, of that. You yeah. want to feel isolated. Um, and if you can order technology, if you don't have it, that mm-hmm. might make your experience better. So you can just focus on the person and not the tech.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps tell people when you're having a conversation, because I told my husband, but mo- not my two daughters and one, you probably just heard it in the background because I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to get noise, rid of the noise, but one is just set the printer to print. And then, um, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if everybody's having b b c dad moments right now at work, I think we just need to um we also need to be really flexible, especially yeah. professionally you know i've I've had group calls with my clients and you know two or three toddlers walked in, and it's no problem you know this yeah. is i mean actually two thirds of the planet does life with their kids at work
0: Yes, yeah, that's true that's true. right
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, so some great tips there for yeah developing social connections using technology. Um, So you know, there's no doubt about the depth of the challenges that we're facing at the moment, Um, and you know they're affecting us all personally and professionally in a very profound way. And you know, it's going to get the impact obviously will depend on people's situation and their professional and personal circumstances. Now I know you and you mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that you've had to navigate some pretty profound challenges in your time. Um, And I'm wondering if you can talk through the experience in terms of, you know, from that initial reaction that perhaps we're all feeling at the moment to then the strategies and approaches that you've kind of developed that enable you to, to cope with these kind of challenges and what's worked for you and perhaps for your clients in similar circumstances.
1: Okay. Well, first, I, I think it's important to say that I grew up in a very uneventful childhood and early adult life with a ton of stability, right? So, mm-hmm. I have been in a privileged situation where I never had, you know, economic turmoil or government, you know, overthrows that, you know, half of the planet has had. So when the first time I was faced with um, a crisis in West Africa, I didn't have any models to draw from. Mm -hmm. Right. And there might be people out there who don't have any models to draw from, right? This is where we need to be talking to our Venezuelan friends, or we need to be talking to you know, our friends who've gone through political turmoil because they've developed strategies over time. But I, I didn't have any models to draw from. And all I had were things from the media that I'd seen before. Right. And that's terrible, right? Like, you know, growing up in the Midwest and what do I have of, you know, an African revolution? What do we have, Rwanda? Like, geez, I don't have any reliable models to draw from. Mm -hmm. So what I would, um, what I suggest is if you are like I was where you weren't prepared and you, this wasn't your third, fourth, fifth, sixth crisis and you're feeling taken off guard, I would give yourself permission to feel anxiety or fear. Like that is, you are a human and that is normal. Right mm-hmm. what, what I had that I went through is that what I noticed I was doing they call it uncertainty reduction theory when you 're really uncertain, you go for communication and information to reduce your uncertainty. so that's how we 're biologically programmed. The danger is is that there's not enough information to, to close out the uncertainty because we don't know. Yeah, right mm-hmm. This is unprecedented. so So what's going to happen, this is what happened to me. I kept in the first crisis in Burkina, I kept asking all my friends who had more experience than me, who were, you know, were more connected in the country than me. What do you think? And what about this? And what about that? And at one point, my husband was like, Sunday, stop it. We have, we have as much information as anybody else. Mm
0: -hmm, Stop
1: mm -hmm. looking outward. Start looking inward.
0: Wow! Mm -hmm. Right. And
1: that was really good advice. And to be really honest, I was not, I was, I got it like cognitively, but there was still part of my body that was hungry for certainty. Right. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the second crisis was I like, he's right (laughs) for the record. If my husband ever listened to the podcast, I said, you're right. Um, (laughs) but then I was like, he's right. So it's like this, this How many phone calls do you make? How many websites do you look at? Yeah. Reputable until you've looked outward and now it's time to go inward in yourself, into your intuition and as a family to -hmm. make your decision. And that's probably why it was super easy for us to make this quick transition because we've, we've been there as a family. We know we've done boom, boom, boom. Right. It was, it was pretty clear. So that I would say, if you're listening and you're still going on the websites every day and you want to know, and you're asking, and this, what do you think? And you're obsessing and it's not adding value to any of your strategies, Mm -hmm. stop, Yeah. Yeah. right? Put some boundaries around staying up to date because things are changing fast, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. then go inward. And that's what I would say is um, the next step is I always talk about first class self-care. Um, the, the first thing to go when times are tough, especially with my clients is they stop taking care of themselves and they take care of everybody else around them, but not themselves. So they're not exercising. They're not eating well. They're not sleeping. They might be drinking too much, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the opposite that you need to double down on self-care because if you are in a crisis situation, you have to move fast. You have to make split decisions. You need to be composed and strong for your kids. You need to take care of yourself. Yeah. 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 Right. And and most people have to force themselves to do that. I mean, I had to force myself to do that. Um, It took me years to really take good care of myself. Um, And with my clients, they have to kind of force themselves to do it Mm -hmm. until they realize it's the only way to really experience this situation, you know, properly. Um, so that would be the next thing. I think the other thing, um, I don't know, everybody in the world is at a different space right now. People who are asking themselves, what do we do? Mm -hmm. Like, do we stay or we do, do we go, or they're trying to make a tough decision? Yeah. Do we repatriate? Do we stay here? Mm -hmm. Um, I would encourage those families to not get focused on strategy i would first look on the values what are the core values of your family of what you need right now and then what strategies can help meet those needs or values Mm -hmm. right so when i when we were in burkina and the third thing that happened was there was a terrorist attack and um the question was so do we stay here Mm-hmm. Or do I take the kids, you know, my husband had to stay for work. Do I take the kids away? And now we're splitting our family up. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. what do we do? And to make that decision, we, we got clear in our values. were fun, freedom, and security. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. with, you know, let's say the Al Qaeda Maghreb in town, <laughs> we're like, okay, for us to stay secure, that's going to limit our fun and freedom. Yeah right? If we want to have fun and freedom, we're compromising our security. So what if we went, you know, to Switzerland yeah. until, until we had more clarity, we could have fun, freedom, and security. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how we made the decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can't make that for families, right? The families need to get really clear on what their core values are, what their core needs are. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And because I really want people to live abroad or wherever they're at with no regrets.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to stay, I, mean, I have a friend who's been dealing with this recently and, and to, to live with that conflict is so exhausting mm-hmm. as so, well. Yeah. Yeah. I think taking and thinking about those values and, and, and actually, I think often when you're also in a, at a point of fear and, and, you know, feeling that discomfort, it is so difficult to kind of engage your brain and pull it to make you a decision, but actually you probably do need to in some way. And thinking about your values is actually a very, yeah. um, Positive step, first step in leading you that way. So, um, yeah, really good advice there. I think um, definitely helpful for people who have, have these dilemmas mm-hmm. you now. Really, um, just thinking about people who've repatriated, you know, and have been, you know, forced or encouraged to repatriate by the companies? Do you have any thoughts around them? It just suddenly occurred to me that they... <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, I have two dear friends, like families who had to repatriate suddenly. I mean, I'm talking within 72 hours. Right, yes. Um, and clients, I've seen this up close and personal in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I would speak directly to the families first and say you have just been through a really traumatic experience of uprooting your lives without all of the proper goodbyes and closure everything we talk about in the you know the raft with the third culture kids that um one acknowledge what you've done is an amazing feat yeah right so celebrate that second is don't um overlook that so one of the things i've realized in in 21 years abroad is um i always say that expats live olympic level lives like living a normal healthy balanced life anywhere is already challenging enough right having kids being happily married etc but then when you add all this complexity it it goes even higher um even even my doctor even said to me um she talked to me about the impact of flying internationally has on your health i'm like what do you mean we do this all the time you know she's like no there's an impact but because we do it all the time and it's normal we don't even think about the impact so Mm -hmm. it's the same thing like all you did was got on a plane and went to another continent just like you do all the time but it's not that and then so i would say one celebrate this amazing feat you did second is recognize that there is going to be a ton of grief around what, what transition you didn't get to have, right? You didn't get the goodbye party. You didn't get to go to the special places, et cetera, et cetera. I had an abrupt transition from Burkina within 10 days. I was out. Right. I don't know if I'll ever see that place again. And so what I noticed in my own process is that I needed to say goodbye when I wasn't there. So you can do that through photos. You can do that through memories. You, you have to still create that closure okay. um, yeah. and grieve when you get there. Yeah. And, and thinking back to social media, you can,
0: you know, with people, you okay. can go, you, know, you can still have the conversations and say the goodbyes through, um, yeah. Zoom conversations or, or Skype conversations or whatever, and continue that connection. I guess that's important too.
1: Absolutely, like celebrate once you've landed, you've got your new place. Call up those people you wish you would have had a goodbye party with, yeah. um, and say, "Oh, it's too bad we didn't get to, you know, hug each other that one last time." Yeah. Um, but create space for that. I can think of at least five people that I care about that are in that situation right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and I'm aware of many too. So. That's really helpful advice. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so final question. I think many people are probably feeling very overwhelmed at the moment, worried, as we've discussed, discussed Do you believe that the majority of challenges can be turned into opportunities? And if so, you know, how can people you know at the right time, and it's not necessarily the right time now, but at the right time, start to think about that and to look forward.
1: Yep. So um, I'm not going to say the majority because we are very complex beings on this planet who have various levels of privilege and disadvantage, but there are many cases where I feel like these challenges can become an opportunity. And I'm going to be talking about this in um, my group, Expets on Purpose, in April with the mantra of, I want you to make this the best worst thing that ever happened to you right (laughs) make this the best worst thing that ever happened to you and what i mean by that is how can this crappy situation be the best thing that ever happened to you for example i have two clients who over the last six months of working with me have talked about they want to do an online business they have a face-to-face business They want to do you know more online. Well, what do you think is happening now? They have fast tracked that plan, right? Mm -hmm. And when they get to the other side, they're going to have that um independent stream of income that they were putting the brakes on the whole time. Right. So those people that can be the best, worst thing that ever happened to them. That they it fast tracked Mm -hmm. their situation. I really believe right now there are people who are perfectly poised to serve our global community right now. So for those people who have resources and skills that meet our needs now, this is absolutely an opportunity, one, to help people who are in need and mm-hmm. to to share your craft and do more, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like the globally mobile, people like um, psychologists, counselors, coaches, people who are doing um, online training, like physical training, you know, fitness, et cetera. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity to serve people, to help them um, in ways that maybe they were kind of ignoring before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And now you have this captive audience of people who need you show up. Yeah. Right. And this is my, this is my thing. I have um, a group called expat coach coalition, and it's made of other coaches who are trained, to serve those who are globally mobile. And it's like, if you have the capacity, if your oxygen mask is on, right? If, you, if you're taking care of yourself and you have capacity, don't sit this out by watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> show up, get over your insecurities, get over your sales anxiety, get over your fear of being you know, on video or whatever, show up for people because you could be the one person that helped that person struggling in their apartment, right? Like we, I think the people who can serve right now. Um, and if you can, because of your location or the security that you have, then we can serve people who aren't in as good of a situation. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, And there are all kinds of initiatives popping up um, on social media and Facebook, I've noticed, and people making amazing contributions in terms of putting content together. So search for those. And, um, well, Thriving Abroad podcast um, together, support services is all about that. So pulling Mm -hmm. together the expertise of this range of professionals that I know, through various um, organisations together to share their expertise. So I really hope that everyone's finding this helpful too. So I think we've come to the end of our half an hour and that has been a really helpful conversation i'm sure with a lot of very useful insights um, i feel i should write some notes actually <laughs> <laughs> I'm not it all, but really really helpful um, much appreciate your time mm-hmm. i will put links um in the show notes and on the blog post to you those of you who are listening who want to connect with sunday further say so that you mm-hmm. can do exactly that but i wish you all the very best sunday um, and thank you so much for your time today
1: Thank you for the invitation. And for everybody listening, you can do this, right? Just ask yourself, what do you want to be saying that you've done in the next six months to make this the best, worst thing that ever happened to you? I love that. I'm going to put that on
0: the wall. (laughs) That's going to be my family's mantra, the best, worst thing that's ever happened to
1: you. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.